Blog Talk Radio. Yo, this is your boy, G-Ski Rocks. And this is going out to the lovely, lovely women of the world. I know sometimes you have to make a hard decision. But I want you to think about this. Alabama. We are going to get to that story in just a little bit. Um, I'm so excited for that because we get to talk about what Thomas is doing in Selma and uh, and all the great stuff that's happening there. I am bursting at the seams. I'm not going to give it away too soon, but we will soon enough. Um, but thank you for everybody for joining us today. Thomas, would you please pray for us? And I will read the, uh, the scripture today because... Um, I just come in a little clearer. Your phone is a little bit fuzzy, so I'll just do that. How about that? All right. Go ahead. All right. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, uh, patron verse of the True Life Fridays radio program. Today, I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now, I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that will, you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. Take it away, Thomas. 
Dear Heavenly Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we give you glory, honor, and praise. Father God, we're thankful for the opportunity to once again host True Life Fridays Radio. And Lord, I'm very I'm very thankful for the opportunity to host this show on location from from a very special event, Lord. Father, we ask you right now in the name of Jesus for your message to go forth this weekend, that people would just wake up, Lord God, to the senseless violence, the slaughter of the unborn. And, Father God, we also lift up a very special prayer to the families of those individuals lost in the senseless massacre there in Charleston, South Carolina, Lord God. And, Father, we thank you for the example of your love that was shown by two individuals who were tragically affected, Lord God, when they made a choice to forgive the man who pulled the trigger, Lord God. We thank you. They, in the midst of tragedy, were a true example of your love, your grace, mercy, and forgiveness. Father, I just bless Melissa, Devin, and little Eliana there. I bless Letitia, Conway, and the little one. And I just ask you, Lord, to continue to let your favor reign, that you continue to shine on us. We say we love you and we bless you and we thank you for forgiveness of our sins in the mighty name of your son Jesus Christ I pray. Amen. 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 Well yes, thank you for praying for all the things that we'll be talking about on the show, Thomas. Uh it's kind of hard to miss uh today's headlines. And uh we're going to we're going to save what we were going to I was planning to talk about for another day because I think this uh the story about the church shooting has gotten uh, let me let me put it this way. We have had shootings before in the United States. Yep. We have had shootings uh, similar to what ha- has happened on Wednesday. We have had shootings with greater number of people being shot. But yeah. What? Yes. Exactly. Columbine. Columbine and others. We've had mass murders before, but this one in particular is taken the media and social media by storm. And I think it's for a reason that has nothing to do with the shooting itself. And that it is a story in and of itself that we're going to explore, but we are going to talk about the shooting because this is True Life Fridays Radio, folks. We are going to talk about that. So uh, just to recap for everybody's information, as if you need to be told, Dylan Storm Roof, is that really his name? I guess that is. What a name. He walked into a church prayer meeting and shot to death nine people on Wednesday. Now, today, people are trying to fit this guy into the proper box. That's all this is it. That is. I mean, this is the story that has taken a life of its own. It is people trying to attribute all kind all sorts of things to this young man. He's only 21 years old. And to put him in the proper box to try to understand him. Of course, 
I will do the same thing here, but you're going to hear it from my pro-life informed perspective and my co-host's pro-life informed perspectives. Uh, there have been rumors he was mentally ill. Uh, that he there, they point to people point to statements he made uh, that are racist in nature. So he so are, is he a racist? Uh, people are saying that he's a terrorist. Uh, so uh, what is he a terrorist? Is he a racist? Is he mentally ill, or was he a mentally ill racist terrorist? All of the above. Is he alternatively? the product of some driving societal force of white supremacy greater than himself? Uh, Those are the type of questions that are being swirled around social media today. And it really, my my mind is kind of in a whirl trying to make sense of it all because uh, you have the the young man. And I say that he's only 21 years old because 21 is looking younger and younger to me every year I have a birthday. So I don't think that he is uh, quite the mature young man that everybody seems to be thinking he is. I'm not really sure. But he looks, you know, obviously uh, a misguided young man. He's very young. To me, 21 is very young. And I have my doubts as to how cognizant he is of his beliefs and his behaviors, whatever they happen to be. So let's take his... Words at face value. He wanted to reignite, by his own admission, he wanted to reignite a race war. And so he's definitely, does that sound familiar to you? He's definitely channeling Charles Manson. That should tell you something. Yep. That should tell you something. Um. How do we regard Charles Manson? An idiot. Well, that's not the word I normally think people think of when they think of Charles Manson. Uh, Maybe something a little less vague. Psychotic. Serial. Yeah, I was going to say psycho, yeah. Okay. All right. That's a little more, I think that's a little more accurate to what people I generally think. I certainly don't think Charles Manson uh, murdered a bunch of people because he was a stupid uh, individual who didn't know any better. I was just trying to be nice. <laughs> no, no, no. We we say things accurately here. You know that. <laughs> I'm just trying um, to be nice. <laughs> well, you, you know what, though? I, I couldn't actually say what I wanted to say about him on air. Because, okay. you know, CC would have been beeping us. Beep! Just kidding. <laughs> right, right. Well, you know, we, we choose our words, but we try to be accurate. Okay, so he was de- so definitely um, Dylan Roof was channeling Charles Manson. Now, I asked the question to a, a friend of mine, you know, well, that does, does that, who's, who's calling Dylan Roof a, a terrorist? So let's let's go out. Let's go with that one first. Is he a terrorist? He, if he were a ter- terrorist, and he's channeling Charles Manson, does that make Charles Manson a terrorist? Well, 
I guess you could call Charles Manson a terrorist, but I think that it would take away, given his mental state, it would take away from the deaths of of the the people I'm sorry, the people who died uh would have some kind of meaning beyond this senseless psycho driven murder. The reason why Charles Manson's murders were so tragic is because everyone regards him as a as a psychotic guy. He's mentally ill, he's unstable, he's a murderer, he's kill, he's a killer, but he's he's insane in that regard. There is something not right in his head. And that's what makes the people who died um, why it is a senseless death? Why why they died for no real um, no real reason, no rationality. There's no rationality to that. So to to tell to so then, if Dylan Roof is a terrorist, that means there was a purpose that makes sense in some in some way, shape, or form to to the people who died. Now, he said he wanted to incite a race war. Um, and I don't take that seriously. As, uh, at, a, at face value, I, I will tell you that in a different sense, we will deal with that. Um, coming from him, because, you know, because Charles Manson said, said the same thing. And the the just throwing that, trying to incite a race war really is no more than throwing rocks at a brick wall on one hand because race wars cannot, should not, by rational people, be started just because a crazy person runs around shooting people at a church and and shouting all sorts of meaningless things. To do that would, to be, would be to give him more credit than I think he deserves. We don't give crazy people, mentally ill people, unstable people, credit for their mentally ill, unstable, the mentally ill and unstable things they say. So, is he a terrorist? I tend to want to say no. I don't know what the law will say because the law may not take any of this into consideration. Although they might. Was he? racist uh what he was trying to do was incite a race war you can be uh, a, a black person who also wants to start a race war no you, you can't king shabab no you can't oh so so the le- the leader of the black panthers when he says he wants to incite a race war, it doesn't really want to incite a race war because he's not because only things like that can be said by racists. And since he's black, he's not a racist. Is that right? Why? That's uh, according to the liberal mindset. Black people can't be racist. They only can be bigots. Except oh. that here's the problem. Here's the problem with their flawed logic. Bigotry and racism is the same thing. Hmm. 
It actually yep. is. Because so, bigotry and racism, they have they have their root in the same same mind frame. So it's really bad when the truth of the matter is if you attack someone based on the color of the skin, regardless of your color, that makes you a racist. And case in point, you look at what happened. um, I think there were a total of what was it, maybe maybe four or five people that died from the knockout game that was played, but there were many, many hundreds that were knocked out by Mm -hmm. gangs of black. But according to the FBI and the local authorities that investigated those um, incidents, those are those don't rise to the level of hate crimes. Excuse me. How right. does that not rise to the level of hate crimes? Right. They were attacked. They were white. And they were also and, Asian. They were also, um, I I think there was, maybe I'm mistaken, but there might have been somebody of Hispanic descent in uh, one of those, one of the victims. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, Melissa and Leticia, I know, I know, but is this the example of that white privilege that they're talking about? Could this be the, because you get white privilege, that, that means that what you suffer doesn't get the premise of, being what it is, a hate crime is that is that part of the white privilege? Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Is that one of the benefits of white privilege? Uh, yeah. you know, I can't answer that question, Thomas. You're going to have to ask Rachel Dolezal. Oh wait, 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 wait! Is isn't you? Uh, wait, is she the one that didn't like her white privilege, so she wanted to? She went from white privilege to black privilege because then she get a full ride scholarship based on the fact that she pretended to be black to Howard University after first suing them because they discriminated against her because she was white. You can't make this stuff up. That was her story. But, you know, according to her, if you ask her, she's black, but she still has white privilege. So, um... You know, I don't know how to make sense of that. You're going to have to ask her. So she's black with white privilege. So wouldn't that make her a sellout to her community if she's black? I don't know, but um, that's only if you ask her. But if you ask me, I think she's white with a lot of black privilege. Anyway. Right. <laughs> I think it's a little confusing there. As- I, well, yeah, you know, I started confusing myself because I started to I, to use the non-black, non-white language, and it really just made my head spin. So here we go. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't even I couldn't even keep up with all the stuff that came out about her. Um, there, she was in a sex tape, and uh, oh no, no, we ain't no, we ain't gonna go there. No, no, no. no. Talk about it, but I'm just saying <laughs> that's one of the things that they they that uh, she she accused her former husband of 
filming her, and she was okay, scared. Okay, no, 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 have to stop you. Stop, anyway. stop right there. I don't want my poor innocent ears cannot cannot handle that. Sorry, it's not. I'm not censoring you for content. I'm censoring you for my sanity. I cannot. Oh, that, that was the divorce proceedings, though. That was the divorce <laughs> proceedings. I'm just re. I'm just telling y'all stuff that was in the divorce records. I'm not. All right. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, anyway, we're getting back to Dylan Roof. How? So, so there's another another box that has emerged by which people are trying to put him in. Is he the product of some driving societal force of white supremacy greater than himself? Some people seem to think so. That uh, he's just. The end product of a of a lifetime or a generational the generational sin of white supremacy in the South, and he is you know it it was pregnant and it popped out little Dylan Roof, who turned twenty one uh, and got a gun and shot up people, <laughs> shot up black people because he uh, was. Reared, born, raised with this white supremacist mentality that seems to be so thick in the South that everybody is just, it might as well be coded into the white DNA. Well, you know, coded into your DNA, it's not really wrong, is it? Mm. That's a good point. I say, I say, I say honestly, I say he wasn't a product of white supremacy. I say he was a product of the Obama administration. There, I said it. <laughs> Speaking of taking off the roof, pun totally intended. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I and so here I am. So let's do you know. When I ask this, and then I want Melissa to chime in because I, you're you're much geographically closer to this event, and I want to get your take on this. Um, is it possible that Media Land out there is psychoanalyzing the situation way beyond what is rational and necessary? How about you, Melissa? Hmm. Hmm. Um, yeah, it bothers me because. Here we have, you know, we have Christian leaders and they say that, you know, this is just, this is an act of hate and and evil and these sort of things, and it's universally wrong. But, again, when you first read the headlines, the first thing you read is white shooter, black church, these sort of things, as opposed to just, um, you know, being able to look at the fact that people died um, and as bad as that is. So um, I think that there's definitely some identity um, uh, politics at play here, just mm-hmm. the way that the, the way the media portrays things, so that even though there was a white shooter, there were black people that were affected, there were lives that were affected, and I think with the especially with the Black Lives Matters movement, that it is so important to identify um, who people one on one basis or the other, um, which I know makes it awkward for you, Letitia, as a Asian American person. <laughs> Um, but it, it just, to me, it, um, being here and living here and um, knowing the people in that community, and I have an aunt who lives in Charleston, and 
you know, we go there. It's a, it's a beautiful place and all that. Um, I, um, I I don't understand. Um, I, I guess I'm, I'm still I'm still grappling with with it all and trying to trying to really sort it out in my brain. But I, I do think that there's um, there was a lot of over analyzing of the issue when it was it was an act of, of evil and hatred and it was a mm-hmm. it was just it was sin. It was pure and, and, and simply it was sin and that's what the devil does. He he kills, steals and destroys. That's what we're told in the scriptures that he does. And I think that um I, I don't know. I, I just think that this has been handled in such a way to divide us. But thankfully mm-hmm. the people of Trump have not bought into that. Um they have really come together and I mean, just watching the videos today where the, the family members are, are forgiving of um, of the, the the perpetrator and how they welcomed him, welcomed him into their Bible study, I think that says more than anything, <laughs> you know? Yes, this, it this, does. This young, they did not know, okay? 21 years old, did not know, obviously didn't fit in to an Amy Zion congregation, walked into their Bible study. And they welcomed him, and he sat there with them for an hour. And um, so I, th- I think that says a lot more um, than anything to me about um, just about the unity, the unity aspect, as opposed to the division aspect that we want to ultimately focus on, which is, is uh, it's so sad. It's sad because people, these are real, real people's lives that we're dealing with, families that right. are broken and hurting. Right. And I think that... Um, for whatever reason, um, the media, they like you said, there's some, there's some stories that we'll never hear about. We'll never hear about from the perspective of, you know, a black perpetrator on versus a black victim or a black perpetrator versus a white victim. But the media has to take advantage of these situations um, in order to make um, to make stories and to make money. Obviously, you know. And well, obviously they have they have a narrative that they have to push. Right. Right. So, yeah. you know, that in and of itself should tell people right there, especially in a black community, that the media, the only thing they're about is exploiting the community when a, when a tragic event um, happens. You know, they send out, they send out their lap dog, the greasy-haired porch monkey who um, oh, headed dear. towards um, Charleston this weekend, I guess. He's going to be there <laughs> Saturday. But here's here's the thing. He has a name, I doesn't he? Yes, greasy owl. Racism. 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 That's right. Racism. Exactly. <laughs> um. Anyway, um, I believe in, and Melissa, tell me if you've heard anything. For some reason, I have a feeling that the the city of Charlotte is going to shut him down. What What's your mm. thought on that? Is he coming through here? Yes, he's coming to Charlotte. <laughs> or not Charlotte, <laughs> um, Charleston. Not Charlotte, Charleston. My bad. I didn't say that. Yeah. I didn't just no, say that. I'm, I'm like, I'm just, oh, Lord Jesus, I'm you guys need a blessing. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm less than four hours. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but I'm less than four hours away from Charleston. So, um, but he, 
I don't I don't see a point in him coming. Um, the suspect has been apprehended. He is in custody. Um, no one is agreeing with his position. No one's defending him. Um, exactly. I don't understand his purpose for coming. And it, you know, it, with, with the Walter Scott shooting, they didn't want him here because the the, cult, the, the culture here and, and the leaders here and the the um the community here. That I mean, they can handle stuff on their own. They don't they don't need right. some, someone to incite with because what he does is he brings in more media. He brings in more. Um, right. However, and, and, and he's his because he wants his face everywhere, and that makes right. him money. So they don't, they're not going to want him here. Trust me. <laughs> exactly. And that, yeah, that's and all that's I want to Um, but yes, you, oh, you over there, you're going to need a blessing uh, when he comes to town. So. <laughs> But you, we all know what he's we all know what he's about. Um, but so here's the bottom line on this. Um, we this is basic, this is without a doubt by Dylan Roof's own admission he had a he had a purpose for killing nine people, and that purpose is he wanted to start a race war. How seriously do I take that? I take it about as seriously as I take a take it from Charles Manson's mouth. He's obviously a disturbed, mentally ill, depraved, certainly depraved individual. Mm-hmm. He's all three. I mean, you if he's he's misguided, he's depraved, he's all of those things. And because of the words that came out of his mouth, we have to be kind of we have to talk about this. We have to talk about uh the ramifications. Is this a race thing? Is this is this not a race thing? Uh, So the point I was trying to make is that the story about Dylan Roof has taken a life of its own separate from the actual story of Dylan Roof. And Mm -hmm. people are are blurring that line, saying, I know exactly why he did what he did. And it's because of 200 years of white supremacy. It's because of 400 years of slavery. It's because of this. It's because of that. You know, I don't know that you can say that given his mental state because if he were to put on a tutu and go around and uh and 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 kill nine people in the same way wearing makeup and tights and saying i'm going to do this for uh transgender transracial purposes nobody would be saying the same thing Right. Would they? They nope. wouldn't say that there is a problem in society that allows a man like him to do what he did. Well, what they would say was that they would say that he does not represent the LGBT community, whereas what we're hearing or what I'm seeing in my timeline and in, in, in general is that this is just such a racist society and, you know, uh-huh. it, and exactly. white people are going to. And I had to tell a white friend yesterday, I, you don't need to go on your on your Facebook and, and like, make this stand against what this guy did. I mean, duh. I mean, I people who know you know that you don't support as a white person or, or, or whatever. You know, they know that you don't support this man going in and shooting these innocent people in a church. You're a believer in Jesus Christ. You love the Lord. So there's no need for you to go out of your way to try to right. disassociate yourself from this shooter. Whereas, I don't, and that's the whole identity um, 
the whole division and the whole uh, identity politics stuff that the left is in, has the way that they've influenced us. And that's why I want, we need to get back to this unhyphenated America mindset where I don't have to identify with this person because they are the same color of my skin, but I identify with people who are the same character as me. Mm, excellent. Excellent. Right. I, I don't. I, there's no better way to end that than, than that beautiful statement that you made. Uh, we need to move on. I've got a four-minute, uh, just over four-minute clip on the Selma Project. I'm going to go ahead and play that, and we're going to go to our guests. Thank you for hanging in there. Uh, TLFR will be back at the end of this clip. Stay, stay with us. Hello. Thank you for taking the time to watch this video. I'm about to embark on a trip to Selma, Alabama. I'm traveling with my friend Ramona, and we are meeting Katherine Davis, who is a pro-life leader, an African-American woman who's leading a project with Alveda King, Star Parker, Tavlin Brown, a number of other pro-life men and women, Will Ford, who are coming together in Selma, Alabama to protest and to stand against a medical facility that is operating illegally as an abortion clinic in Selma. And Catherine has been calling for the governor and those who are in Alabama to look into and investigate this medical facility that is doing a number of abortions each month but is not registered and licensed as an abortion facility. And when you have a medical clinic that is doing abortions but not licensed as an abortion clinic, it really leads to a dangerous situation for women because they're not being forced to comply with safety regulations and inspections that normal abortion clinics would have to comply with. And we saw with the case of Kermit Gosnell how horrible and atrocious it was when there many times uh, in Pennsylvania his clinic had inspections but it was just looked over and no one really wanted to take action until it was too late, until women had died, until um, until babies were born alive and then murdered. And so we are going to Selma, Alabama. We're going to march over the Pettus Bridge, and we are going to stand for justice. Many of the women that are going into this particular medical facility, this unlicensed abortion clinic, are African-American women, are black women. Uh, they are the ones that are going in, and they are the ones that are really at risk and at danger for being um, taken advantage of. And so as African-American women who are pro-life, we are going to march and we are going to stand because this bridge is a symbol of hope. It's a symbol of sacrifice and suffering because in the civil rights movement, John Lewis, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., and many other leaders, they walked across this bridge. And as you know, on Bloody Sunday, they were beaten, they were abused. And now, years later, we're still fighting for our civil rights. And the most important civil right that we have is the right to life. If we don't have the right to life, we have nothing. And so, as a people, as an African-American people, we've made great progress, but still we are suffering because we are dying. Over 16 million black children have been aborted in America since 1973, and the numbers are continually rising. And this is an epidemic. This is genocide. And so as we go to march, we're standing against this. We're calling forth for life. We're calling for the governor of Alabama. We're calling for people in Selma to recognize the injustice of this unlikely abortion clinic and we're calling for them to recognize the beauty and the dignity of life and 
So if you are interested in this journey, we just invite you to, to learn more about it. You can go to Facebook, The Selma Project. In addition, uh, we were asking people to sew into this trip financially. Uh, there is a cost, of course. We're not getting paid to do this. Um, we're taking our own finances because we believe in the cause this much and it's worth it. So we are uh, buying plane tickets and bus and uh, food and transportation in the hotel. And so we're asking that um, any donation that you could give to sew into this would be a donation to sew into the cause for life and for justice. In addition, we uh, cover your prayers. We are going into intense battles. This is not you know, a joy ride. Uh, it's going to be a powerful time, but this is going to be an intense time. We're going with sober hearts because this is something that we believe breaks the heart of God and it, it causes our heart to be to be heartbroken as well, and so consider just lifting us up in prayer uh, from now until we go. We're going to be going June 19th is the rally, and then June 20th will be the march. And so thank you for taking the time to listen and to share this message. Continue to pray, and then we'll give you instructions about how you can get. Thank you, and God bless. All right, thank you for um, listening to that video, um, which I took the audio from, and that is um, kind of lost my train of thought because I got distracted a bit, but that was um, about the Juneteenth rally in March in Selma, and what I wanted to say um, coming up is that is that is today. The rally is today. Tomorrow is the march. And our dear co-host Thomas is there, uh, or on his way there tonight for uh, the prayer meeting that is meeting. And my goodness, we don't we have so much more to pray for now. And so tell us a little bit more about the purpose of the march and the rally, Thomas. Would you please? Absolutely. <clears throat> the purpose of the march and the rally is to bring um, awareness to the different incidents in states that have um, laws that restrict what abortion abortion clinics and abortionists can do and how there's been various incidents that have happened to different women, women of color, and how these states have basically ignored their own laws and allow the different abortionists, Planned Parenthood, to get away with what they were doing. So basically the hashtag is Black Women's Lives Matter Too. So. Awesome. Why is it taking place in Selma? And who's going to be there? Well, it's taking place in Selma because, as you know, Selma holds a specific um, historical significance in a civil rights movement. You know, um, the Pettus Bridge was the bridge that Dr. Martin Luther King marched across mm -hmm. with the many, many hundreds and I think thousands of people when they marched across the bridge back in, what was it, Celeste, 1960? So 1965. 6465. So, you know, it has that significance in that we're, if I may be able to say, we're bringing 
significance to a new civil rights fight, civil rights for the unborn, and specifically civil rights for the unborn babies of color, not just black women, Hispanic women, women of color who have specifically been targeted by the in, the abortion industry, who specifically, when there's an incident at the abortion clinic, women of color, it seems like they have a more higher rate of incidents than anybody. And so, and that's my own personal opinion based on a lot of the stories that I've heard and read about. You know, so it's significant. It's significant because of the civil rights um, connection, because of the, um, you know, just because of the historical values of Selma itself. So. Right, and we heard from. Let me let me give credit where credit is due. Uh, the video came from Christine Christina Christine Bennett. Sorry, get it out there, Christine Bennett. Um, who is one pro-life leader, um, and she had mentioned that other leaders are going to be there, like Star Parker, certainly Alveda King, and Catherine Davis, who organized a lot of this uh, event. And there is going to be, an, I think, a growing outcry against the injustice of abortion within the black community. And here, and I'm not only saying there is going to be, I am also saying there needs to be, and there there has needed to be for many, many years. And I am so glad that this is taking place. I am so glad it is not the only event that's going to be taking place uh, mm-hmm. that is demanding that our politicians, our society, the country at large, pay attention to the slavery that is still happening and it's completely legal, which is abortion. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, you know, according to Supreme Court um, Justice um, Kennedy, or was it? And well, ju- it was actually Justice Kennedy. He said, "You know, we can't overturn Roe v. Wade because Roe v. Wade is the only thing that gives women an equal footing with men here in America." Yeah, I didn't know he said that, did you? I thought I thought Ruth Bader Ginsburg had said something like said that, but if he said Kennedy he also that says that. Kennedy. Okay. Um well I, I know no. that they I know that Ruth Bader Ginsburg had held that view too. Um has held that view. And it doesn't surprise me. Um, it is it's faulty and we have dealt dealt with the fault of such a thinking here on TLFR. Um, but I would like to just say that how how equal can women be when abortion is used to subjugate women, to keep them in abuse, and to keep them oppressed, and they are subject to the, uh, the it isn't their choice. They say that it is a, it is a privacy it's a privacy issue. It's um, a freedom issue. Well, then how come so many women that are getting abortions say that they had no choice and they don't feel free to make a, a, a different decision. 
Right, yeah, it doesn't better their lives in any way. Uh, no, right. no, it, it doesn't. In no way whatsoever. And you know, and let's and let's be and let's be honest. Those those pro abortion supportive, post abortive mothers who go go on air and say, Well, I had I had such and such amount of abortions and it didn't phase me, they're lying. They're they what may have happened is that they've become desensitized to the fact because it has traumatized them so much that they just kind of there's a part of their brain that actually shut down. So it's like mm-hmm. it's just another thing. So <clears throat> let me go on record as saying this right now. And yes, to you pro-abortion supporting women who may be listening and saying, "What do I know? You, I'm I'm a guy." Well, I know quite a bit more than you think, because first of all, at the end of the day, it's people like myself, Letitia, and Melissa, and many others who will advocate on behalf of you, the post-abortive mother, even if you don't like our position, because at the end of the day, let's keep it real. Planned Parenthood don't give two rips about you once they have your money and they killed your baby. You just became another statistic to them and next is on to the next lamb to be led to slaughter. I'm sorry to be brutally honest like that, folks, but sometimes you just got to keep it real. We don't call this show True Life Fridays for nothing. <laughs> and um, word, <laughs> word, Thomas. Um, there's So the Selma Project is, um, do you know if it's planned to be a an annual thing? Where they're going to repeat I'm this? Sure. I'm not sure yet, but it could be. It could be. I'm not sure. Catherine hasn't mentioned it, but it, it would be awesome if that did become an annual thing. Because I tell you what, I would, I would, I would make it a point for me to be here every year. Because this is something That's significant, different. something worth. Um, it's worth being a part of. Well, that's awesome. Well, listen, do you have um do we have our guests on Celeste or Babette? Do you know if they're coming on? Yeah, they're getting ready to call in. Hold on. Okay. Um we are awaiting some of our friends that are attending the Selma project mm-hmm. this weekend and you know, I would be very interested in this being a recurring event um until the day until the day abortion is abolished in this country. Um, I think there needs to be, like I said earlier, there needs to be a huge outcry and uprising, a swell of people in the black community that are willing to say, we are not going to be victims of further slavery anymore. Um, This is the wholesale slaughter of the future of the black community here in America. And this is, I've got the numbers Numbers 18 million to back that up, and 56. What is it? 50. I want to say 56 percent of all the all the children, um, all the all the black children in New York City, um, more are being killed. 
by abortion than are being born by about mm-hmm. 56%. Um, and that is unacceptable. And here I am. I'm not a black person. Actually, I could be. You know, we can be anything we want these days. Uh, I can identify as black if I want to. (laughs) And there ain't ain't two bleeps you can do about that. Um, There's this. This is something that I wanted that that we here at True Life Friday Radio can't emphasize enough, which is that our society cannot continue to look out the window and say Black Lives Matter and talk about police brutality, talk about white supremacy and racism, and talk about uh, white privilege, and talk about all of these things and how black the black community seems to be oppressed by all these things, whether they're true or not, and yet ignore the solid numbers-driven statistic of the death of the most innocent among us in the black community and overlook that. 18 million so far. 1,800 a day. I'm not going to trivialize the one, two, three, or several hundred uh, black men, mostly black men that are killed by law enforcement. Not even, it's not even close to that much, but I'm just giving you the benefit of the doubt. Um, however many are killed in the, in, in scuffles with law enforcement. You know, there's a case to be made back and forth, but when we go in and kill the most innocent among us, right. And don't just, call yeah. that an injustice while pointing fingers, at police officers who pulled on some black girl's hair or something like that and call that an uh, uh, an example of racism there is a problem and let me let me make this uh, into a prophetic thing um and this is the truth prophecy not not being about what's happening in the future but the truth of what's happening if we don't stop trivializing racism by saying, you know, it's racist when a cop pulls on a black woman's hair or black girl's hair. If we don't stop doing that, then real racist stuff is never going to take, uh, see the light of day. And you're never going to solve the abortion problem. Mm-hmm. I think that human beings no matter what color you are, reap what we reap what we sow. Thomas likes to say a lot. We reap what we sow. We sow discord in our communities. We sow division in our communities. Is it any wonder why our children are dying? Mm-hmm. I don't think there's a I don't think there's a way to to divorce those two things. Right. Yeah, I mean, it just how how are we to be taken seriously with those statistics? How are we when we shout Black Lives Matter and we we push that agenda? How are we really um, to be taken again seriously? And because we're inconsistent within our own community when it comes to those things, and and we just yet we demand that respect from outside, but we don't do the protect our own. Mm-hmm. 
I, I just think that, that there's there's there could be because I'm a believer in God and and cosmic justice. If you if you don't like that word, you I don't like me invoking God. There is uh, stuff that happens. There are consequences, mm-hmm. and the consequences of of not letting go of this race issue can come back to you and where you justify you know, the racist, racism, the real racism of abortion, and you support it. Right. Black pro-deathers, liberal Democrats, you're so busy harping on all these other things that have solutions that take a little bit of historic, you know, if you take a little bit of sense, actually build bridges, First of all, it takes away all your money, so hey, why would you want to do that? On the second hand, you know, pounding the gavel on that end of things causes you to lose your humanity and therefore you kill your children. I I really don't know why people will um, uh, turn away from that fact, but yeah, I know they do. But let me, um, let's get back to talking about Selma. I think we have a guest on the line. Hey, welcome to True Life Fridays Radio. Who's this? Oh, and we lost our guest. Hey, how you doing? Hey. <laughs> Welcome to True Life Fridays hey, Radio. Who's this? Celeste. Oh, hey, Celeste. Hey. Mm-hmm. So, Celeste. Thomas- yeah, I, I had to use Thomas's phone. My phone kept, I, I think my phone is possessed right now, so <laughs> I had to use Thomas's phone. So yes, 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 yes. We are here in Montgomery, uh, Montgomery, Alabama, and uh, getting ready to make it happen. Getting ready to make it happen. Awesome. So what's happening tonight? Tonight is the rally, and it begins at 7 o'clock. And there's going to be much prayer going forward, uh, praise and worship, as well as um, just talking about the things that are going on within the pro-life movement as a whole, but more specifically what's going on right now, as well as, you know, and my presumption is that we're also going to talk about things to come that we're going to put in place. So it's uh, it's really awesome. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm so excited I couldn't wait to get <laughs> couldn't wait to get here. Right. Ho- and hold on one second. Hold hold on one second. I'm sorry. All right. Um, so what I'd like um for tomorrow what I'd love to see, um, uh, which is a long shot, you know, I'd love to see all those people crying about injustice and how they've been racially mistreated over the years. Let's say our president and uh first lady who have been known to complain about how they are treated, uh, even as president and first lady, uh, racially. Um, why, you know, I would love to see them at the no, I'm getting tomorrow. Your stuff out the car. I know I'm probably dreaming, but uh, if they were consistent, I, 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 I think they ought to be there. What do you think, Melissa? Yeah. I said, I'm sorry, I said it one more time. Oh, I said that if our okay. president and first lady were really concerned about uh, the racial problems that are happening in the United States, they would be there with them tomorrow. Absolutely. Um, it's not politically expedient for them to do that. So it doesn't fit into the um, 
the narrative and the agenda um, right now and gun control and all those other things. So, you know, it's Black Lives, if they really matter, they, of course they would be there absolutely without hesitation. Hello. I mean, numbers don't lie. <laughs> exactly. Hi, Celeste. You're still on the air. Can you, oh, you want okay. to tell us what you were talking about? Um, where, where, where did I leave off? I'm sorry. <laughs> You're talking about um, tonight, and and you might be planning for uh, some future events that might come out tonight, and then tomorrow is the march. Yes. So yes, um, the, the march tomorrow we begin on the Montgomery, I mean on the Selma side, and we march over to the Montgomery side of the Pettus Bridge, and then the press conference is is um, after that. So um, it's there's just a lot that's going to be going on, and I'm just really so very excited about what's coming and the opportunity to inform more people and to bring this up on a larger stage, a larger platform, and just just get more people informed and involved and just um, making sure that folks know what's really going on. So, because not enough people know what's going on, and also some people are, are choosing to remain deceived, even in the face of complete truth. Some folks are still still choosing to remain deceived and and putting mm. sticking their heads in the sand and not willing to look at the reality and the truth of everything. So, what do you think it's going to take to get get? Now we talked earlier. Let me let me preface, preface this question. We talked earlier about a certain somebody that is traveling through. Um, and he's coming through Charlotte, he's going to Charleston, and he's going to be uh, visiting the scene of much grief and despair, uh, which is the shooting at the uh, Edmund, um, what is it called? I'm sorry. The a- the AME Church. Right. It is uh, the, I have it down here. <laughs> mm-hmm. I do. I promise I do. Um, the... The AME Church, that's right. It was called the Edmund something uh, African Methodist, there I go, Episcopal Church. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, what's, what is it going to take for a person like him to join you mm-hmm. at the bridge? Not that he's going to, but what would it take? What do you think it would take? I, you know, that's a very good and very extremely provocative question. I think at this point, the only thing that's going to get him there for altruistic and not ulterior motives is a, a, a move of God, because he's so reprobate, he's so mm-hmm. absorbed in himself and the things of his enemy. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry of 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 his God that he won't hear anything from anybody human. I, I think it's going to have to come to him as as in the night season, you know, and or you know, I, that that's just what I think at at this point because it's, <laughs> I I don't see I, I don't see anything else happening in in that way because he's so reprobate. Well, I mean, he's, um, he's been married for over 20 years and has been in adulterous affair after adulterous affair, and he's flaunting it. He's flaunting it with no regard for his wife. Even if she says, oh, that you know, Al, you do your thing. I'm going to stay here. 
do my thing, or Al, you go ahead and do that, and I'm just gonna honor the Lord. You know, whichever her response is, he's still just it's just in her face. So well, without a doubt, we know that that Reverend Sharpton has a has personal problems that probably contribute to his ideology. Either, Either you can call it escapism and trying to escape from God about his responsibilities. Um, I'm just, I'm really actually fascinated. Um, how do you make a man consistent with what he says he believes? I mean, he came to Ferguson uh, to help mm-hmm. his fear and still fear of Ferguson into the whole country. He went to, mm-hmm. uh, he went to Dallas. Uh, he went to, and people, <laughs> um, he went to Baltimore, and. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, we all know that you know Al Sharpton is really for Al Sharpton, um, but it would I, I, it would take a, probably a move of God to jog him and say, hey, you know, maybe I am not helping the people that are really dying in this country. Um, but that that's the question I just, I think I'm going to keep asking that for from our guests because mm-hmm. it's a fascinating question for me. What do you think it's going to take for him to show up oh. somewhere where it's not expected and it's not going to gain him any fame? Hmm hmm hmm. Um, yeah. So do we uh, have so Thomas? Do we have Babette on? I am not sure if the bed is on or not, but here is Thomas. Hold on one second. Hello, I am back. Hi, Thomas. Yeah, we were. I was wondering if Babette's going to come join us and give her the last civil rights perspective of what's happening in Selma this this weekend. Well, she is tired. So she won't be calling in. I apologize. I have I, called her, but she. Huh? Okay. Well, it's it's to be expected. You guys have been driving all day just to get there. You know what we're going to do? We're going to extend this to um, a following broadcast. I would love to get the after um, from now we have the before and get the after from the rally, the Juneteenth rally, and we're going to talk about it on the next True Life Fridays radio. Um, and then, so we're going to call this a day and call next week a part two. What do you say? I say that would be right mighty exciting. Actually, you know what? I will be in Illinois next weekend. Right on. So. Going to another event. So. Right, right on. So we are we're gonna actually take True Life Fridays on the road with with more than one of us and we'll see how that works out. So ladies and gentlemen, we are gonna call it a night. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for my two co hosts that have uh, made the effort to be a part of the show today. Thank you to my guest Celeste. And um and for everyone who is listening online and on air, uh Come back next week. We are going to keep going on this. We're going to keep talking and uh, the, the news of the day as well. Thank you so much. True Life Fridays is going to be on every Friday when we can manage it, and we often mm-hmm. do. Uh, 5 p.m. Central, 6 p.m. Eastern, 
every Friday on Blog Talk Radio on the True Radio Network. We will see you next week. And yes. be sure to stop by our Facebook page at Facebook slash True Life Fridays Radio and give us a like and send us a message, especially if you have something good you want to say about it. <laughs> of course, we can take all messages, but I really want to hear it if you have something good to say. Um, so have a good evening, everybody. We will see you next week. Good night. Good night. Good night, Thomas. God bless you. God bless. Good night, good night. Letitia and Melissa. Love you, bro. <laughs> and good night, everybody.